Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey, a group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Marcus Kwame, back with another episode of Black Comics Chat for your podcast feed. Um, this episode was recorded in 2018 with our good friend Joe Amet Gill. Always a good discussion when we speak to Joe. Um, the reason this episode is getting to you a little bit late is because a lot of the 2018 episodes did not get edited because I fell behind while I was catching up on graphic novel and illustration deadlines. But I'm catching up on those episodes from 2018, so we're going to be getting a lot of them out to you soon. So stay tuned. All right. Um, one, two, one, two. Hello. What's going on, people? What is happening? This is Marcus Kwame. Um, we got a very, very special guest returning to the show. And uh, before we get to that, I'm going to kick it off with the, the Black Comics Chat crew. First up, we got the, um, the International Lady of Mystery, the Carmen San Diego of the crew, always fresh off her award tour. We got Grace. Hello, hello, and, and about to get on a, an award tour. So, you know, we, we the timing was just perfect. Just okay. keep spot on right there. Where, um, where but you yes, I'm headed up to Martha's Vineyard for the week, going to a film festival. So. Nice. Cool. Yep, cool. yep. So, but it's good to be on with the crew tonight and chat it up and talk about this awesome Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, you know, let's just, you know, get on into it. Okay, cool, cool. And next up, man, we got the Red Lion of the crew, the the undercover Sith Lord himself. We got Tony in the house. What up, peeps? What's going on? I'm kind of excited, though, because I just finished Voltron, so I'm just, like, still soaking that in. And I know the next season is starting in, like, a week or so, so I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a couple seasons behind, but I've definitely been been consuming some Voltron, Dude, that's too. Okay. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, we are here today. The, the you know, guest of the hour is returning to the show for, I want to say, the third time. You know, we've got Black Comics Chat favorite Joa Met Gill in the house to speak all about her brand new Kickstarter campaign. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing pretty good, uh, all things considered. Running a Kickstarter is really hard, but it's going really well, and I'm really excited about it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you're definitely off to a strong start. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean that that's a uh, it's looking promising. But I know it's I know it's stress. You know, I know for for us from the audience, it looks like uh you know it's all fun and games, but. <laughs> It's all just comics and video games for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nah, but um, yeah. So, all right, before before we really jump, dive in headfirst into the anthology, um, just just tell us a little bit about you know what's been going on with you since the last time we spoke to you and um your 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 work. What's how, how are you? Um. 20, 2018 has been super, super busy. Uh, there was editing the anthology and getting the Kickstarter ready. And also just a bunch of lettering work uh, for Lion Forge, which has been really nice. Ooh. And uh, other things, I'm sure, because that can't be all I did to pay my rent. But it was just a blur. <laughs> <laughs> just a blur of freelance work and other stuff and yeah, just living that that comics life, that full time comics life. Nice. Well, I mean that's that's the dream for a lot of us. So, how was um which uh which Lionforge books did you work on? Uh, right now I'm lettering uh, Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Shu. It's okay. a young adult uh, fantasy comic about two Chinese American. Uh, I don't want to say kids. I think they're like college age, but uh, one of them is a uh, deaf uh, witch girl who lives with her two gay witch bookstore owning grandmas (laughs) and in uh, new England. And it's, it's really cute. And uh, her significant other who she's sort of falling in love with through the book is a, uh, another Chinese American kid. They're non-binary and they're a werewolf. And it's a sort of slice of life, magical mystery where uh, it's lots of family, lots of culture, lots of just like really soothing, uh, people taking care of each other with like a background mystery behind uh why people are trying to capture uh the werewolf character because the werewolf character has a secret power that no one understands yet Hmm. as you were describing it i'm like you know it it definitely hit on just a lot of of topics that are you know that you've 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 dealt with like quite a bit so i think it sounds like it's like the perfect project for you Oh yeah, I absolutely love it. I was it. It started out uh, as a web comic before it was picked up by Lion Forge, uh, though uh, it didn't get too far in before uh, they got a deal, which you know is really great. Uh, so uh, it was available for free. Then it wasn't available for free, right. but I think it's going to be available for free again. Like I think Lion Forge, uh, a part of the deal is that uh, once it's all done, they're going to be uh, allowed to release it uh, as a periodic sort of webcomic thing, while Lion Forge also puts it out as a paperback. Oh, cool! Awesome! Nice, nice. It sounds exciting. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, I was a I was a fan of it before. I I liked it before it was cool, you know. <laughs> trendsetter. Definitely a trendsetter. <laughs> cool, cool. So, um so you mentioned that another thing that you've been very busy with obviously is editing the anthology. Um for anyone, you know, who is not familiar, can you just uh tell us what what the anthology is about? 
Absolutely. The anthology is called Heartwood, Non-Binary Tales of Sylvan Fantasy, and it is a 250-plus pl- uh, page collection of short comics, all by creators who identify as non-binary. And uh, for any listeners who aren't sure what that means, it means that uh, the person does not identify strictly as a woman nor as a man. Uh, there are some non-binary identities that sort of relate to manhood and womanhood or can be both at the same time or like on a spectrum, but it's, it's, it's sort of being, it's always more fluid as a form of gender. And a lot of non-binary people just very, very specifically identify as neither as like a, a third thing or a fourth thing, or just like a completely other thing. Um, and uh, all of the characters in all the stories are also non-binary. Well, not all the characters. Every story has a non-binary protagonist. And okay. other people are allowed to be in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all of the stories uh, follow a theme of uh, sylvan fantasy, uh, which is fantasy stories that center around, like, the forest as a location. Uh, in some of those stories, it's about sort of... Uh, having some sort of met- metaphorical journey when you travel through the forest or the forest itself might be a, a sentient character or it- it's more Hansel and Gretel style, like you wandered into the woods and you you found yourself in a situation and it and it's sort of has like an allegorical quality to it as you as you make your way out of it. Mm. Yeah, as I was looking at the Kickstarter page, um, the yeah that theme of the forest and all of the you know the the meanings and and themes you know within like that 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 really uh was interesting to me can you speak a little bit about that about how you came to that as the uh the kind of center for this uh anthology oh definitely um i've always been really just intrigued by uh the the sort of place that forests occupy in fairy tales and folklore um it it very much represents uh liminality which is sort of that means in-betweenness or like a, a sort of transitionary state between one place or another or between one way of being and another. Um, because in, in so many old stories, again, Hansel and Gretel being another example, uh, and also tales of Baba Yaga, et cetera, you, you go from the place where you, you sort of know what's going on. You're kind of stagnant in a way. If you're in the town, you're in the city, you're in your village, you, it's what you know. It's where you've grown up. It's it's where you know your place, and the forest um, is the is the other when it comes to places. It's the outside. It's um, it, it's a place where there's where there's no light. Where you're going to go into a. Uh, the unknown, and you don't know what you're going to find there. And a lot of that symbolism has come from the fact that, you know, there were times when we would go in the forest and just get killed by something because right. we but you didn't no necessarily come it. back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't necessarily come back out when you go into the forest. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of old stories about forests are geared towards just protecting the community. Like, oh, you know, so-and-so's kids went in and they got eaten by Sasquatch, so you better stay out of the woods. Or uh, for me growing up, it was, you know, don't go out at night. Don't go into the backyard or the trees because a coco is going to get you. And uh, to this day, I don't know what the coco is. It's just sort of a Caribbean boogeyman. <laughs> but, uh, real, yeah. Real. For real. Yeah. But uh, the Coco definitely lives outside and where the trees are <laughs> and in the dark. Uh, and, and then there's also just um, 
stories where you go into the forest and you have to face certain trials. There are certain tests you have to go through. Um, and at the end of those, you sort of find out something about yourself that you didn't know because you entered a space that is outside your comfort zone. Um, and I really like that. I really like pairing that idea with um, an anthology that's also so based on gender uh, and specifically gender that feels like it's the least understood mm. by anyone. Um, and it's so misunderstood that sometimes we ourselves who identify as non-binary, um, it's sort of a journey for us to even understand ourselves, to understand what our own gender is. And uh, I guess not to, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's kind of like going into the woods <laughs> and feeling a little lost about what this means about you and who you are and why you are, et cetera. Um, and because I relate to it that way, I figured, you know, I think a lot of other non-binary people will, will find the forest theme relatable and ta-da, they did. Lots of them did. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that because I mean, one thing, um, one of the reasons I love um, anthologies in general is there's the obvious reasons, right, where, you know, they're just a collection, a, a well-curated collection of, you know, stories that kind of coalesce around a certain theme, but also, like, just go in various directions um, with talented people behind them. But I think, like, books like like your previous anthologies and... Um, uh, Puerto Rico Strong are are significant in the sense that they focus on groups of people that in the popular narrative of comics that a lot of like fanboys like to say, you know, they like to say like, oh, well, maybe there just aren't, you know, that many creators of X group out there. You know what I mean? And then, you know, books like like yours and like Puerto Rico Strong, they like prove like, no, there's there are people out there. There's tons of people out there, you know, who are talented from all these various groups um, can you like like talk about that specifically in this instance with um, non-binary creators and you know visibility or lack lack thereof in the comics industry? Yeah, um, it's interesting. It's interesting you bring up visibility uh, in the comics industry specifically um, because uh, with non-binary people, it's the visibility issue is, I mean, for, for any group of people you name, if you say like, oh, there's so few in X industry, you'll probably find that it's because there's so few in every mm -hmm. industry um, with uh, like few exceptions. Uh, like comics is sort of, it's not a place where people make a lot of money in general, but it is sort of a, a career that's kind of viewed in a way as luxurious in the sense that, you know, you're not, you're not lifting something heavy. You're not like a doctor. You're not like a, there's almost a frivolity that people attach to being an artist. Like, Oh, you just sit at a table and you draw all day, etc. Um, but like, it's a career that shuts out so many people. It, it shuts out basically like, it shuts out anyone who isn't a white man and to a lesser or a greater extent, you know, uh, white women are able to be in the industry as well, although they also face sexism, et cetera. Um, 
but like you just go down this chain and it's like okay so there are fewer white women in the industry and then there are fewer women of color in general in the industry and you know there are even fewer black women in the industry and then like there are fewer black women with disabilities and it's i feel like i've gotten away from my point but <laughs> when you when you sort of wanted me to talk about specifically like representing non-binary people and their their absence in comics and stuff like that it it got me thinking about the fact that non-binary people are extremely invisible in like every community and there are let's see over half of the contributors in Heartwood, non-binary tales of self-infancy are people of color as well. Mm. And one thing that I've noticed in the past is um, there'll be like an anthology or like a collection or something that's like, okay, we're going to focus around this identity, right? Mm -hmm. And if the identity isn't race specifically, then they're like, it's not that there aren't ever any people of color in it, but it, it definitely feels like it becomes less of a priority. Like either you say, okay, this is for POC only. And then you make sure you get all your, you know, POC across the board into the collection. Or you say, uh, for example, this is for, uh, trans people. Right. And then you have like three people of color out of like 20, (laughs) contributors and and it's sort of um it's sort of this phenomenon where like people of color don't often get uh i feel like they're sort of put in the back if someone's already doing a different like good thing that they can pat themselves on the back for it's like oh well we're representing queer people so we're already being diverse congratulations everyone and it's like well okay (laughs) but uh queerness encompasses everyone like it's a i don't have a name for this phenomenon probably someone way smarter and with like a phd has a name for it but it's the phenomenon where um white people seem to have a really easy time caring about any form of oppression that can affect a white person right oh like white privilege basically yeah 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 privilege that <laughs> well, it's also the default right like the idea of them being the default yeah <laughs> yeah it's like just like i thought about that with the with the recent scarlett johansson thing where she was like right. i'm gonna play a a trans man in this thing right and right. you know the internet yelled yeah and the internet yelled at her and she wrote a little apology and she was like oh my gosh y'all help me see the error of my ways i definitely won't play this character and i'm like why was that so hard to get when we were yelling right. at you about being yeah. Asian? I, 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 don't, yeah. I remember the, the um, applause <laughs> not being that great in and of itself, you know? Yeah. You and know, like, I, I recently went on a, a rant about how I feel nuance is dead. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just you get into this situation where it's like common sense is dead. Yeah. Critical thinking is yeah. dead. Critical thinking <laughs> It's one of those things where, you know, and what got me upset was this whole issue in which the voice actor from Miles Morales basically yeah, yeah. said that he was half Mexican, right. you know, and as if it's no big deal. But for those who know better, know it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this whole point of nuance. Like, you can't put everyone in one little bottle and just be like, oh, well, that's the default 
identity, a Hispanic identity or, or the default, you know, sexual identity. It's, it's, it's dumb. And when it happens, it's upsetting, you know, and it's just like, where's the nuance and why don't we understand this? Right. And like, I guess go, going, going back on target uh, to the, to the comics part, it, um, I guess it dawned on me at some point that I am surrounded by non-binary people just constantly on social media and off of social media. Um, like 90, like nine out of 10 of my closest friends are non-binary. And it's not like I went on an app, like only put non-binary people in my life. Let's find them. Like it just sort of happened that way in the way that like people who have similar experiences or similar like journeys will gravitate towards each other because they can relate to each other in that way. Mm-hmm. But um, I realized at the same time that like I'd never really heard of something that was just for non-binary people. Like I hadn't heard of an anthology that was just non-binary people. I hadn't heard of like even like a Facebook group that was just non-binary people. Like I hadn't heard of like a podcast that was like, Oh yeah, we're, it's a non-binary stuff. That's what we're going to talk about. Like it's always, um, it's always women and non-binary people, women and non-binary people or all transgender people. And that's great. Those spaces are invaluable. Um, but there's just sort of like this interesting weirdness around specificity for non-binary people because it's a very different um it's its own distinct thing that you know there should be spaces for and there should be conversations about and and shouldn't be lumped in with other things out of not only respect for non-binary people but also respect for the people they're being lumped in with because they're not the same um so like yeah this anthology um i've googled the heck out of it so i always say uh I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I am pretty sure uh, Heartwood is the first and only all, nine, all non-binary anthology, period. Um, and it's something that I think when I tell people, if they're non-binary, they go, oh my God, I've, I'm so happy, I'm so moved, I'm so relieved that there's something out there that is specifically for me. Someone saw me. And said, no, yeah, you. No, not all of you. You. <laughs> and uh, when I tell it to other people who aren't non-binary, they just kind of get this, this little look on their face where they're thinking about it. And they're like, you know what? You're right. I can't think of anything else. And in this way where it's clear, like, they never thought to think about it. Like, it just wasn't even on the priority bucket. It wasn't like they didn't care. Like, not in a bad way like they like they're trying to do something wrong or mean or anything. It's just, it's such an invisible community, if that makes sense. Even though it affects like, like, like it's inside every other community. Like they're, they're non-binary white people. They're non-binary Latinx people. They're non-binary black people. They're non-binary Asian people. And like all of whom are in the anthology. So they're out there. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as like dudes in comics not wanting to see that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they're not even my audience. Like I don't think about them. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean, I think I think that's super important. And I think that that was my initial point is that like uh, anthologies like this and, and all of your anthologies, to be honest, like 
um, yeah, forget what those dudes think, but they disprove that lie, that lie that we hear over and over again, that basically the reason why we only see a very monochromatic group of people making comics is because there just aren't that many other people out there. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you're, you're shining a light on all these creators that, that too often go unseen, you know? So I think, yeah. I think that these anthologies are important in that sense. I, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean. you, well, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's why I do them. And, and thank you so much. <laughs> um, I think like, yeah, when I started rambling earlier, I think the point I was trying to get at was that, um, yeah, we're, uh, they think we don't exist and that there aren't enough of us who want to do it because they don't hire us. Mm. <laughs> like they don't, we're not considered for anything. And I mean, and there are creators out there who like have, have gotten their foot in the door in like Marvel and DC and stuff. And like, you'll occasionally see the, the truth slip out in a tweet or in like a message board or whatever, where someone's like, no, but for real, Every time I've tried to like use my leverage to get like uh, uh, a my uh, someone from like an uh, underprivileged group like in as the letter or in as the colorist or in as as something to try and get the the foot in the door, my editor will straight up ask me things like, "Oh, are they are they easy to work with?" Mm. Um, oh my god! What like coded exactly. Mm. What does that mean, Grace? <laughs> it's Bye. like the most coded shit ever um and it happens and that's that's basically how this industry runs it's either your small time and you're doing it yourself uh and you're just trying to stay afloat and get people out there and yourself out there as best you can or you know it's uh it's big fish trying to like just make their money and make as few waves as possible and they consider like someone who might call out the other bullshit happening there as making a wave mm-hmm. or not making it run smoothly. They're like, this is a smooth ship. Mm-hmm. If we bring someone in, who's like going to have an HR complaint or whatever, uh, looking at DC uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> against uh, our, our precious editor or whatever, then, you know, that's too much trouble. So we're but... just going to keep it to people that we know, are like us. They get it, aka white and privileged, and they'll be like, "Eh, whatever. We'll let everything slide." And yeah, they 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 just want to work with people who will let everything slide, essentially. Mm. It, so, along those lines, right? Like, obviously, Marvel and DC are, you know, yes, cracking their glass glass ceilings is is um a whole big huge thing in and of itself. But even like as far as like other indie publishers or whatever, have you um seen like well, I don't know, have you seen people like that were represented in your anthologies? Like what are some success stories that you've seen, you know, with people moving forward and moving up? Hmm. I've seen a lot of people um definitely get more work, though I would I would hesitate to associate that with. Well, yeah, I'm not asking you to <laughs> okay, dust okay, off your like, shoulders. I'm just saying, but you like, know, <laughs> like I do think that it's, you know, but you can take a little credit though. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't think I deserve any. <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh, 
it's it's complicated because there are people who have gone on to get like more high profile jobs and stuff um but i kind of feel weird about like sort of uh painting their experience as a success story and going on to greater things or like putting that word in their mouth because i know that some of them have ended up at indie companies or work doing work for indie companies that are actually full of shit and right, haven't right. been treating them very well so i'm like mm. ah. <laughs> no, that's, that's the truth that's mm-hmm. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean if we if we've all just been swimming in the the Twitter, mm-hmm. the Twitter truth for the past like month and a half. It's a lot. There's a lot going on out there where it's like you think someone's getting like a shot, and sure, they're making great work, and we we all get to enjoy it, and it's beautiful, and there's there's a sort of fulfillment in getting to do what you love and getting some sort of paycheck and paying your rent, and it's what we're all out here trying to do. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say like, oh, well, this person went on to work for whatever. And that's great because right, then right. I, I I don't want to make that company sound good. But that, that, that's, that's very fair. That's very fair. I, I think I was coming at it from the perspective that, you know, it's it's just, you know, cracking the, the, the wall and the ceiling is tough, period. So, yeah, I mean, it might not necessarily be a success story in terms of like, you know, people making it rain. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, I just am looking for, I guess, a positive in in all of this uh, <laughs> underrepresented darkness. Oh, oh no, Marcus! Everything sucks. Everything sucks, and we all die. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm about to agree with you. My bad. You're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> okay, so uh, 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 people who have gone on to make things that are worth reading. Let's put it that way. Yeah, let's put it that um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. There's there's Naomi Frankis who has forever been amazing and incredible. Uh, right. She was on uh, the first Power and Magic, uh, and uh, she ended up working with um, the writer or the screenplay writer of Ten Things I Hate About You on a, a comic series at Boom, uh, which looks really cute. And the uh, let's see, the cover artist for Power and Magic, Ash Samuels, who just completely killed it <laughs> when she drew that cover yeah. um she's been getting invited as like a special guest to a bunch of stuff uh for like people having discovered her through the power and magic cover and uh getting more commissions as far as i can tell so that's exciting um wendy shu uh was part of the uh immortal souls project she uh she was initially going to be in the book but because of scheduling conflict she ended up doing the uh stretch goal comic for it um and she's the one who's behind uh moon cakes at lion forge right now um and she's got a whole bunch of other stuff cooking that I can't say for her, but I'm very happy for her <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, everyone's doing cool stuff. Uh, Nivedita Sekar was in uh, Power and Magic Volume 1, and uh, she has been just, like, she was more of an illustrator and an animator uh, before that, and while she still primarily does that, I've been seeing much more comics work from her, especially getting shared on social media, and her following has been growing a lot so i'm super happy about that she has an incredible style um i'm not sure if y'all remember it off the top of your heads but she's the one that did the uh your heart is an apple yeah uh comic Mm -hmm. yeah 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 
Yeah, she's stellar. And I, I kind of just wanted to do a graphic novel and I'll, I'll just put that vibe into the universe right now <laughs> that, mm. that that'll happen for her. That's really dope. So, um, so as far as Heart, Heartwood is con- concerned, like, tell us about, like, without giving away too much, obviously, um, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the, the creators that are involved. Uh, sure thing. Uh, I'm going to talk about them as they come to mind because there's 27 and right. that scrambles my brain every day. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Annabelle H on board. She's Sparkly Fawn. Uh, I'm sorry. They are Sparkly Fawn on uh, Twitter and uh, they are a brilliant illustrator. They're still in school, but everything they do is like absolutely amazing. And you can see all of their illustrations on uh, sparklyfawn.tumblr.com. Um, they are also the creator of, uh, the drawing while black hashtag that exploded, uh, I think at the end of last year. And they're just, they're just really incredible. Uh, let's see. There's also Corey Walters, um, who has done a lot of comics work though. I hadn't heard of them before this project, uh, which was disappointing and also great because I love (laughs) learning about new people through doing calls for submissions. Uh, and they're, uh, Corey's story is probably the shortest in the book, but it's like, it speaks to me on a really like, like primal level. It's all about like, just humankind's relationship to the forest. And like, even though that's so close to the overall theme of the anthology, it's really the story that like cuts into that very directly and concisely in a, in a way that sort of evokes, um, our physical relationship to the forest and how we're all sort of one organism and both consuming and being consumed by the land. And uh, it just hits me really hard. I love that one. Like I'm like getting emotional describing it. Um, uh, Let's see. There's also Ashanti Fortson who is an absolutely magnificent Afro-Mexican creator. Uh, They do a webcomic called Galanthus, which is a sort of a space fantasy epic. Um, And their story uh, for Heartwood is about a, um, it's about a mother and child who uh, both are botanists by trade and uh, they are on an expedition in a Peruvian cloud forest uh, looking for a very rare flower when they get, uh, they, they sort of get off track because they have a very, very bad relationship with each other. And they end up be getting put through uh, like a series of trials that they have to cooperate on by some magical flower creatures that are like, Mm-mm, not in our forest. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to learn to get along with each other as a family. <laughs> and it's a really sweet story. Um, gosh, who else, who, who all else? Uh, let's see. Rianne and Rasmussen and Chan Chow are working together. Uh, they're a magnificent pair. Rianne is one of the best writers i've ever encountered in my entire life um and i really can't i really can't wait for people to read their story and for them to just get more stories out there um and their story is about a pair of divers who uh are communicated with by a uh, a sea goddess um and it takes place in a kelp forest instead of you know your uh standard on dry land normal forest which i thought made it very unique 
uh, and Chan Chow is is such a brilliant, absolutely brilliant illustrator that everyone should follow on Twitter. I mean, everyone should just go to the Kickstarter page and click all the right. links and follow everyone. But uh, yeah, they they take my breath away every time I see something new from them. Um, Dang, dang, dang. Okay. Raven Ravy Ray White, uh, who is a joy to work with. Uh, their attitude is always so cheerful and so, like, excited to be working. I really loved editing them. Their story is about um, uh, a kid named Andile. I'm just making all these, like, thinking noises, like, an um. <laughs> uh, Andile is at school one day, and they uh, feel a pain in their chest and their mother has to come and take them to a hospital. But before they make it there, they're lured into the woods by a mysterious creature that seems to just like, except for its masked face, be made entirely of darkness and stars. And I'm not going to say anything more about that because I don't want to ruin that one. It is Mm. incredible. Um, But yeah, I could go on and on. about all of these uh but that's some of them wow and um you said there are 27 creators involved i think 27 or 29 including Mm -hmm. uh myself and uh my partner who's working with me on my story because i did not have time to draw it myself (laughs) this time around (laughs) well you you have a few things to do so i think we understand a few things Cool. So, I mean, obviously the, the editing process and the editing grind is real, but um, just for, I guess, for listeners who aren't familiar and who do think it's all fun and games, like what, what, what is it like, what's the process of, um, you know, putting together an anthology like? Um, well, for uh, this time, it was a little different. Um, the things that were the same were crafting, you know, a call for submissions that, answers as many questions as possible before people feel the need to ask them. Mm. Uh, Just not only so people know what they're getting into uh, and whether or not, you know, this is worth their time and like which chunk of time you're asking for from them. So like putting the schedule on there, I think is very important too, because people have other shit to do (laughs) and they need to know if they're going to be able to meet the deadlines. Um, But just also so that, um, like it makes the process more smooth because there's going to be a ton of questions anyway. There's always a ton of questions. Um, so it's putting out a detailed call for submissions, answering questions as they come along. Uh, and then once the submissions roll in, uh, this time we had uh, close to 200 submissions. And uh, uh, it those figuring out uh, which ones are solid in terms of having a beginning, middle, and end that is unique from all the others uh, and is compelling and, you know, has something unique about it in relation to everything else, uh, narrowing it down to those and then narrowing it down even further to, like, which ones you like the most of the ones that are perfectly good pitches and then taking the ones you like the most and getting rid of some of those, too, because you can't, because there's just too many. There's just too much good stuff. Um, And from there, it's a matter of uh, just keeping step with everyone uh, as they go, as people write their script, being there at the end of that process to look over scripts, make sure everything's spelled right, first of all, make sure sentences make sense, make sure, like, you didn't spell this character's name this way on this page and then change their name on the second page. Um, 
And like, does this story flow? Am I compelled? Should you take out this scene because it slows it down? Or like maybe add a little bit here to like make it more impactful or emotional, et cetera. Um, and then just putting that much thought into what everyone's trying to do and like what feedback would be the most helpful at every step of it from the writing to the thumbnails, the pencils, inks, shading, letters, et cetera. Um, what was different this time was that um, it's the first time that I invited people specifically uh, to have a spot in the book. Uh, in the previous two anthologies, it was a completely open call. There was no one who was guaranteed a spot in the book, but in uh, for Heartwood, uh, about half the book was people who I reached out to personally and said, hey, I'm not asking you to pitch to something. I'm asking you if you just want to be in its yes, yes or no style, because I've looked at your portfolio and it's extremely strong and I know what I'm going to get <laughs> out of it. Um, and uh, that added uh, a few more steps to the process in that uh, I was in, I was inviting folks, but I also didn't, I didn't want to invite a bunch of folks and then be like, write whatever you want. And then end up accidentally with like six people writing the same story because they have similar taste or something or like the stars aligned. So there was a bit of like a different pitching process for them where they gave two to three ideas, not even fully fleshed out with like a beginning, middle and end, just like three ideas. And then I would look over all the invited people's ideas and be like, okay, well, you both have a third choice or, or you both have a choice that's like kind of the same as each other, but like this person put it as their first choice and then the other person put it as their third choice. So the person who liked that concept more, I'll say they'll do it. And then for this other person, I'll be like, go with a different idea that you had, etc. Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of like too little, like a little process inside of a bigger process this time. Well, so, and um, I know that when I looked this morning, uh, I believe you are at like over 40% uh, funded. Yes, we are at 46% funded now, I want to say. Okay. So you definitely hit the ground running because, I mean, you just launched yesterday, right? We launched Wednesday at four, which was, yeah, yeah, Wednesday was was harrowing because... um, my uh, my video producer, uh, we we had agreed on a you know a time a few hours ahead to let the video uploaded and it's usually how we've done it in the past. Um, and ended up in the hall <laughs> that morning um, with uh, uh, I think poison okay uh now she was able to same day but but it was sort of like big lunch time and i didn't know why i just wondered oh no it did did she fall asleep (laughs) but uh uh hero and and just her on where she's Lumiere underscore makes a minute for my super successful 
kicker and like i don't know why anyone is paying anybody else to make their videos honestly uh if they're paying anyone else uh because she works with a lot of people um, Joe, Joe, um before you go on i we lost you for a minute at least i did on my end i couldn't hear you for a minute so can you just oh, no. re- re- yeah just repeat her name and, and shout her out again oh yeah her name is lucia retamales and she is at lumiere underscore reta r-e-t-a on twitter uh she is fantastic brilliant animator brilliant video producer and god bless her she's in the hospital and she starts texting people who can let me know that she's in the hospital and that her boyfriend is going home to upload the video and send it to me and all i can think in my brain is who cares about my kickstarter you're in the hospital (laughs) that's hardcore though that's yeah yeah I love her to death and she, she deserves everything and she definitely deserves the shout out and she deserves all the follows and she deserves all the compliments on the video because the video is fantastic for anyone who hasn't gone and watched it already. Awesome. Awesome. I'm very excited about this. I, mm-hmm. I backed um, this. Um, I saw, thank you so much. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny cause I didn't, I wanted to make sure I got the right one. Um, so I, I wanted to, I mean, the digital rewards are always great. But for me, it's like, you know, for things like this, I want the actual cover. Yep. So I wanted to make sure yeah. that I got Heartwood cover and the Immortal Souls and Power Magic. I wanted to make sure that I did my best to support you and get everything that I don't have. So, um, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it. Did you pledge to the soft cover library? Mm-hmm because I made that tier super limited because Power and Magic Volume 1 is almost out of print. And I keep... I've increased the amount, the number of slots available to that tier I four that. times now in the past three days because it keeps selling out every time I blink. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all of y'all... Well, see, that was the reason why I went for so it. so carefully before I on here because I want to make sure y'all have books when the time comes. <laughs> but that's why I went for it. I was like, oh, my God, this is the last, like, I'm getting the last spot right now. <laughs> and then we increased it, which is fine. I'm, I'm still glad I'm, that I'm getting it. I'm like, I need to get Oh, yeah, like, like, even with the increase, as much as I can do, uh, right now, 200 power and magic Mm. and this kickstarter has already eaten about 60 of them (laughs) so yeah pretty pretty soon that that book just won't exist until slash unless we can do a a reprint kickstarter That's amazing. That's amazing. So I'm glad I got it. And if y'all haven't gotten it, I should. <laughs> because I'm definitely gonna uh I'm definitely going to be reading it and showing it off when I get it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm gonna second that. As I was as I was listening and chatting, I was literally on the Kickstarter myself doing my pledge. And for me, it's more so like I, I want to learn more about something that I may not be as familiar with. And right. so, you know, you hear 
uh, you know, I know about non-binary and I, I, I'm meeting more people who identify as such. And for me, it was more like, okay, one, I'm intrigued. And two, I want to also be educated more so that people can't say, oh, well, we don't have it. It's not there. It doesn't exist. And then you can be like, bam, here you go. This is what, you know, this. <laughs> so, cause I mean, that's always the, you know, the excuse that people say, well, we don't know it's not enough or there's not anything out there. And so, you know, the fact that there is, you know, um, you know, people can have it, you know, this actual example here to show it. So um, I, I'm just like kudos, you know, and thank you for, you know, making this exist. So Thank, thank you so much for supporting. And yeah, it it's one of those things where more and more uh, lately, I see people like, oh, I'm, I want to help and be diverse. I want to hire some mm. diverse people, hashtag diversity. Um, diverse can, human. Can you, <laughs> can you have diverse human? Uh, and like, like I want to hire someone Asian. Does anyone know any Asians? And it's like, dude, <laughs> you know how many like anthologies there are right now for like every category of human being? Like, point them and be like, here is a resume for like 30 people. <laughs> and yeah. these anthologies mm-hmm. do end up feeling like res like a like a resume booklet at the end or like a like a like a catalog of who to hire because it's like right. you're like, oh I don't know who here's a whole book of them plus their right. work. Figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. And and I also want to echo what Grace is saying was was mentioning before because it's like, you know, um number one, I having that big resume book there, it's an easy point for entry for people who don't know, you know, and I admittedly mm-hmm. I'm very new to to understand or you know to, to learning about you know um non non-binary people and apologies if I mess up on pronouns, I, I do my best, but I, I definitely make mistakes. But, you know, um, it's uh, I think it's important. And I, and, and I think that a book and art, you know what I mean, is is a way that people can, <laughs> number one, learn more. And also without being a pain in the ass to the to the <laughs> the marginalized group in, in question. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Because, like, you know, obviously, uh, from my own corner of marginalization, I, I know where, like, always having to be the explainer is is a pain at times, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, like, I think that this is perfect. You have a collection of stories and a range of viewpoints and a range of, of ethnicities, like, within, you know, non-binary. So um, I think it's, I think it's, like, it's really important. And I think it's, it is a perfect way for people to understand more. Oh, oh, definitely, and it, and it's it, it sort of reminds me of how, uh, you know that that saying uh, of like you know it's not my job to educate you educate yourself. Um, right. I I agree I agree with the spirit of that, uh, except for the part where I no one educates themselves. Right. Like exactly. Yeah. If, <laughs> uh, because even if like uh, though I get what people are saying people are saying right. hey, this is this is my twitter where i come to hang out with my friends i don't know you get out of my face <laughs> which is absolutely fair yeah. um but like the book that that person is going to go read to educate they're probably written by someone of that experience educating mm-hmm. other people so it's like 
it's already like, like educate yourself already essentially means go read a book. Mm-hmm. Books right. are how we right. sort of, books are compendiums of knowledge. That, that's what they are. It's, it's a way of writing down some information and having it be accessible to everyone. Um, and uh, people, and people often like, I guess because they're reading the words a person is saying on the internet instead of standing in front of them, though mm. people expect to be educated in person too. Uh, there's, there's sort of this feeling of like, Oh, this is like a book I can interrogate. And it's like, no, that's an interesting Right. There is some, there's someone who has the exact knowledge and explanation that you're looking for, who is from this identity group, who has already written it down in very meticulous detail with an editor, with a team to like, make sure they're explaining it well, and they got paid to do it. So, and you're going to pay for the information. So it's all on the up and up. So just go let, let yourself be educated because when it's not even educate yourself, it's let yourself be educated. Cause I feel like so many people disregard the fact that a book, their books are full of everything that, POC and like queer people are constantly saying on the internet. Right. Yeah. If we're saying it out there, someone wrote it down specifically to be read. So, so go read them. Right. You you know, as you were, as you were speaking about that, it made me think about, and we don't, we don't have to get too deep into the insane times that we're in, but like there, it, what what it made me think about is the fact that um, people have always had, you know, well, privileged people, have always been very violently opposed to um, having their knowledge expanded or having their, their point of view expanded. Um, but it's, it's become increasingly hostile that the hostility that they, they demonstrate in, you know, not wanting to understand other people has become that much louder. And I do think that it is a direct opposition to, to the progress and maybe to the, albeit limited, but still like, you know, present um, progress that's been made as far as, you know, marginalized groups of people being, um, being heard, you know what I mean? And I, so it's, there's, there's kind of like an ugly backlash and it's like a a pendulum that that swings back and forth. Um, And I think for all of us, of, of various marginalized groups. That's, that's why, like, you know, when you see kind of like scrapping between marginalized groups, it's, it's just, it's, it's whack, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, there is a larger fight that, that needs to be won. And it's kind of like all the divisions don't help, you know? And right. so I guess what I'm saying is that like, you know, you did, you just, you just made me really think about um the, um, the viciousness of which that of which people um, oppose understanding, you know, different groups of people, and um, you definitely see that. I definitely see that in particular with non-binary people, um, and you know, just politicians and just regular people, and people who watch the the channel which shall not be named. You know, just <laughs> really getting angry about the idea that they have to understand or they have to. Um, recognize somebody's humanity. Right. Right. And I also think that to sort of piggyback on your point, it's not only the the whole not being educated, but now there's this whole thing where people are now being misinformed and right. being educated mm-hmm. 
wrong, I guess it's, mm. it's the best way I can say it, you know, with, with just, you know, get people like Alex Jones who want to, you oh, know, God. go on the other side and, 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 and sort of promote these conspiracy theories um, mm. that make absolutely no sense, but meanwhile have such an unbelievable following and it's all based on disinformation, you know, and it's not like these people don't read or don't want to read. They just want to read what makes them comfortable. Right. You know what I mean? Which generally is associated with misinformation and ignorance. And that's a whole thing that is just hard in itself. So we could say, go read a book, but hopefully what you're reading is the right book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's <laughs> right. very... Hopefully you're reading, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X and not like Mein Kampf. You know what I mean? Like, it's wow. just, it's just very interesting where we are right now. Yes, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, and the, the same thing applies to people. Like you can read the right or wrong book and you can ask the right or wrong person for the information. Mm. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's why, like, when you're trying to learn about the experiences of others, it's like, you don't, you don't go to one person. It's not like what the, the first person told you, you know? Absolutely. Cause no community is, you know, is, is monolithic, no matter what they try to tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think some, I think a place where like white people and like just people of any sort of privilege uh, tend to trip up on is they want their discomfort to end. Right. <laughs> they want their own discomfort to be over. Like, even if they're like super well-meaning and honestly want to learn, they come at it from a, like, from a stance of, okay, but where is where is the ultimate piece of information that like mm. I can just read and now I know it and now I'm done feeling uncomfortable. I can just say I know it now. And it's like that doesn't exist. You're never like there there is no end point to like understanding and like empathy. You just kind of it, it's it's more of a an openness. The an attitude of openness and like believing people when they tell you their experience and and it's not even like believing in the sense of like oh uh this one person from this group said this and i believe it's like that 100 of the time so now when a different person from this group tells me this i'm gonna be like well this one's a liar or one of them is lying to me it's like no <laughs> now you know that there are different thoughts right. among these people because right. they are different people <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine it. <laughs> it's like like the, the the first person from your group already already got to me, so <laughs> I, have no, I have no no more hard drive hard drive space for uh for new information. <laughs> oh my god, that's true. Oh, we we have a um a question from Twitter um from the ether. Shout shout out. Um, so the question is, has there been a situation where you, anyone has resisted expanding their knowledge about another group, et cetera? So I guess I, I'll, you know, throw that question to you first, Joe, and then I guess to everyone, to the whole, whole panel. Okay. Um, hmm. Obviously, yes, but I'm trying to think of a specific right, right. example. Um, the first example that comes to mind is one that happened in public and was really messy where I was in a, I was in a school library, uh, my school library uh, in college. And uh, someone said something that was racist. I don't even remember what they said at this point, 
but uh, we were alone in a computer room, like me, that person, and one other person. And that day, I just was not feeling it. And I spoke up from like three rows ahead and was like, why would you say that? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And I kept trying to explain uh, why their their attitude about this thing was wrong. Um, and it just got very, very heated until the third person who was the only other person in the room and uh, was a was a white person, just finally spoke up, looked at the white person I was talking to and was like, you need to calm down and listen to what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. Because I was losing it. <laughs> I was mm. losing my cool. Um, and having someone else just be like, Hey, just so you know, fellow white person, the person of color who's talking to you right now is not crazy. They're actually right, and you're just not getting it. <laughs> it was like the clouds parted. Um, yeah. Me, and and it actually did help with which uh, which I which I kind of begrudge. Like I'm grateful to the person that that saw the that I could use some backup, but I, I, I kind of still feel that grudge of like, why did this start going better after a white person? backed me out <laughs> um which it always sucks and i mean uh right, it, right. it it's sort of emblematic of like how white supremacy operates like mm-hmm. it, even if someone is just like in this like quote unquote pure debate state where they're like no it's not that they hate you or think you're inferior they really aren't getting it and they keep debating the point that's stuck in their brain because it just feels so true to them still um they there's this receptiveness and openness that happens when someone gets told something by someone that looks like them and uh you know i think that i think that might apply to like everyone of every race to a a little bit of an extent like a like a oh you're if you're one of if you're like my own i might trust you have my best interest in heart more but you know with with white people it's like well your best interest is kind of dangerous so Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you need to realize that as well um but yeah definitely been there many times um about all sorts of things about queerness about race um one other quick example is uh someone uh brought a friend i didn't know to my birthday party once like it was a small little gathering at my house and they're like oh can i bring this friend they're cool and i'm like okay sure you're cool so i believe you um and then (laughs) that's the trap that's the trap and then uh that person immediately said things that were not cool and on my birthday i just had to kind of look at them and be like hey um look i don't know you i don't want to assume you're a bad person okay just like you're really triggering me right now i need you to leave my house because it's my birthday yes. <laughs> wow. but you shouldn't even have to give that reason like you, all you really all should be able to say is that can you just leave my house like you shouldn't even have to qualify why i don't want you here like nope just go just leave no. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever watched Naruto, but uh, if if you have, there's a character named Sakura in it who has a uh, very diplomatic way of responding to things. Mm. But then there's like the version of her thinking what she's saying in a completely <laughs> like off the wall, screaming, losing her fucking mind <laughs> way. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I can definitely be like that sometimes because with my social anxiety, like it uh, it basically makes me feel like whatever feelings I'm having, regardless of whether 
they're valid or not, or like reasonable or not, or whatever. I doubt all of them. I just doubt what I want and need constantly. So in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be super polite about how upset I am because I, I, I don't know if I should be mean to this person. Maybe I'm the problem, which is bullshit, but that's, <laughs> that comes with the brain space. <laughs> that I'm in. No, that's real. That's real. Um, Tony and Grace, have, have you had any, uh, any experiences? Mm. I mean, obviously you have, but like, any you'd like uh, to share. I'm trying to think um, on that. You know, I, so the, the question is so expansive in my mind because for, for two reasons. One, I work in higher education, so hmm. I feel every fucking day I'm always like yeah. trying to resist the ability to, you know, expand someone's knowledge. Um, and then there's always family, you know, and oh God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, say yeah. that I am the most educated person in my family because I am not the only one who went to college, but you know, I always feel that I'm always arguing a point of, to me, what would be common sense. Mm-hmm. And I think in both cases, it's always about, it's always about masculinity in some way mm. and how men sort of try to dominate either conversations uh, that involve women or, you know, just, just regular bullshit that I just, you know, at sometimes I'm just like, you know what, I don't have the energy to just tell you that you're mansplaining right now. But I don't have the energy to tell you that what you're what you think is a comfortable behavior is actually not uh, for some of the, the, the girls that are that go to our school. I work at Barnard, so it's a all woman um, institution. So it, it's just one of those things where it's like I just don't I don't have the energy to always try to correct people's thoughts when they should know this mm-hmm. you know what i mean particularly and, I'm, and i'll end at this point particularly is one i grew up with mostly women so there's very few men in my family so it's it's mostly women so my thing is you should know <laughs> the way you are uh mm-hmm. and two you know again working at an at, at an all women's college you, you you should come into this environment and know that there's certain behaviors that are not cool I mean, at least I think so, I'm, I'm, unless it's just me, which I know it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, my, I have, you know, similar. So um, on the higher ed side, I'm like on the teaching side. So oftentimes, like, so I had to put it in my syllabus. Like, so this is a, <laughs> you know, safe space. This is right. a place where people should be able to voice their opinions without feeling judged. You know, everybody's not going to agree. Uh, and even if you do disagree, then there's a way that you, you know, um, respond, you know, so having to do that. Um, and then, you know, having because I primarily teach courses that are the content is African-Americans. So whether it's a black popular culture, whether it's African-American history. So periodically I would have non-black students in my course. And so sometimes my black students will. Uh, come to tell me that, well, you know, we didn't want to say anything because we didn't want to offend. And I'm like, so, and I always use the the idea of like, so when you're in your U.S. history class, do you think your professors sugarcoat what they're going to say because they don't want to offend students in their class? Like, do you think they think about that? Is that what you think Mm -hmm. comes to mind? And, um, you know, many of them are like, no. And I was like, well, you know, this is the class you signed up for. So, you have to be prepared for what is going to happen and nobody's going to make you feel comfortable about your guilt. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. So, uh, 
I've had, you know, some students kind of like test those waters and, you know, they're not to say, but you, you know, you signed up for this class and this is what you, you came in here for. So you either deal with that or you leave my class. So <laughs> that's real. That is real. real. And, and necessary. I would, I would add, you know, yeah. <clears throat> tell a story. Yeah, a yeah, okay. couple years ago. A couple years I, I, ago. I like this. This is like therapy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple years ago, uh, there was a program that that uh, was happening on campus, and um, they were giving out TRs for to the students. And uh, one of the the students gave me one, and I'm just like, sure, I'll wear it. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't really care. So um, I was wearing it and I, you know, I wasn't acting silly. I wasn't acting. I was just wearing it around before the, the start of the event. And I had one of these dudes come up to me and he was like, I'm like, what's wrong with it? You know, like my TR? Um, he was like, well, you know, some of the guys are wondering, you know, if you, you know, if you funny now. And I'm just like, what? Oh my what God. Are you, what, are you, what are you really trying to say? Right. All right. So my, my, and he's like, oh, well, you know, they feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, just because you uncomfortable doesn't mean I'm uncomfortable. I'm right. good. Right. You know what I mean? I'm sorry that this is like offending your masculinity, but I'm just going to keep wearing it. And if somehow that changes your view of me, oh, well. You know what I mean? I mean, he backed off, and I guess he wasn't expecting that reaction. I guess he thought I was just going to take it off and be like, oh, you're right. You know, I'm a man. What, what is that? Right. So I, that's that has stuck with me for a while, and it just—it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, you can do one little thing and it affects other people for whatever reason, you know. And a part of me is just like, maybe, maybe me wearing this is making you feel a certain way, and you need to explore. Yep. Maybe you need to get in your own feelings and yeah. figure that out. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. But straight men have so many feelings, Grace. It's really hard. <laughs> I know. A lot. A lot. <laughs> I have a, I have a, a related one. Um, I actually have two. I had one in mind, and then Tony's reminded me about another. Um, this one actually took place on on Twitter, where occasionally drama happens. And occasionally, every now and then. You know. <laughs> but uh, it was it was I guess it was a couple years ago, and it was um, when the uh, masculinity is so fragile hashtag was really popular. Uh. It was like the day the day that it was started. I, I can't recall exactly who started it, but um it was, you know, like a lot of of ladies were really sharing some really insightful um tweets. And I was just retweeting. I wasn't like jumping in and mansplaining and trying to make it about me. But what I was noticing was on the hashtag, as with any positive hashtag, there's always people trying to pollute it. And there was like a lot of dudes um and specifically because like a lot of black women were tweeting there was a lot of black dudes that were getting really defensive um so all i did my only contribution was um i just tweeted essentially i'm paraphrasing but i tweeted um you know guys who are getting bent out of shape about the masculinity so fragile um hashtag are essentially proving the need for it yeah. right you know? yeah. and 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 i closed my tweet by just saying like you know maybe just take a break from speaking and listen and you might mm -hmm. learn something mm -hmm. that's all i said pretty inoffensive i feel like i remember that yeah you might have and they they came they tried to come for me like all these guys um 
And I don't know about y'all, but like, I, there, there's the whole like when to and when to not get into a Twitter back and forth. I generally don't do it. The the um the times where I will go back and forth is is if I feel it's somebody who is at the very least open to actually having a real discussion. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like like, and you can usually smell it. There's some people that just kind of want to come at you and just say whatever they want to say and they're, they're not open to you know taking in and considering other information and so and pretty much everybody that came at me at this point it was all just trying to um rain their opinions upon me and you know it was a lot of stuff kind of like what, what tony was talking about a lot of like oh who's a real man you and then like this one dude was like <laughs> he just tweeted stop telling me how to feel and- <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, oh God. I was like, I was like, I, and and I was like, you know, I I gotta admit, I actually enjoyed not responding to them because they started getting like more agitated by the lack of response. Oh, right. So, you know, so that that dude actually tweeted me again, and he and he said again like the same same tweet. He was like, "Don't tell us how to feel." And I just was like, okay. And he tweeted it a third time. I think he didn't, I think he thought it wasn't going through or something. (laughs) Oh my God. And I just was like, and in that instance, I was like, I was, the other reason why I didn't like further engage is because I think my original point was very clear and true. So I was like, I don't need to try to convince you because I, I, spoke the truth you know what i mean and so i don't know so that that, that was one instance and um the other one was that in an art opening um i had uh it was it was a, at a gallery and i had just you know had a it was a reception um for some of my paintings and like um it was great like, it was a, it was it was a, a great night i loved the gallery like there's a lot of you know really cool people that came through and there was this um one young you know kind of uh yuppie-ish uh like like white couple very friendly kind of liberal seeming and um the guy came up to me we were having a nice conversation and then he says he says like hey let me ask you about the your painting um and he points to a painting i had done of of malcolm x um and there were two malcolm x paintings in that show and uh he he he's like why did you paint that guy? Like, you know, he's kind of like, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's kind of like um, expressing his, his white guy angst about Malcolm X. Mm. Um, and I feel like he was trying to feel me out because he's like, <laughs> it was almost like, hey, you, you seem so cool. Like, and you, you don't seem like you want, like you want to kill me, but why did you paint him? Like, that's not, those weren't his exact words, but that was the general vibe. You know what I'm saying? So... Wow. Here, and, and this goes back to Tony's point about nuance. Here I am, like, taking it at face value. And just, and I got, and I was like, oh, you know, this is where, um, and I spoke about, like, why I painted each of the paintings, what the the theme was, you know what I mean, about it. Um, and I also spoke about the fact that, like, between those two paintings, it represented, like, three different phases of of his life. And, um and that there was, you know, that, and and I was I was getting into the nuance of it. I was getting into, um, you know, the, the his history and all types of things. And I get done saying all the stuff I said, and he's like, "But why did you paint him?" 
Like, you know, <laughs> it's like everything uh, I said had like totally just went right over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I and I'm like, okay. And that now I'm like, all right, I start seeing what's going on. But I'm just like then, then I was like, you know what? I'm still gonna come with more nuance. And so <laughs> so I just kept like kept like like speaking about it, you know what I mean? And and I and I also use as a jumping off point for a larger discussion about race and perception and um like it's funny because it ended up he ended up being like uh like i could tell i had not moved the needle at all as far as his discomfort but um he ended up being like oh yeah you know that's pretty cool man you should come uh they were having like a cookout the next day or something he's inviting me over and i was like all right you know but needless to say i did not go yeah, yeah. Like, I could only imagine it would be it would be, be like, hey, check out my new black best friend, and <laughs> this guy is crazy. He does he does portraits of uh of radicals, but uh, anyway, so those, those are my two stories. I felt like dread seep into my heart when you said you were invited to a cookout by him, and I was like, you didn't go, did you? Oh no, <laughs> no, God no, no, no. That would have. Been... This, this was before. This was before Imagine Get Out. But uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it would have probably like you know had had some similarities. <laughs> I'm over here like retroactively, needlessly. Get out, Mark. <laughs> don't go. Don't. Go. Even though I didn't go, you still yelling. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Yeah. So I guess I guess that that's uh that's our. Our, our therapy hour, you know. It right was. There. That was very good. That was, yeah. It was great, actually. Was I loved that question. Yeah. That, that, should be, that should be incorporated in every episode some way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, audience, uh, any any other questions, Um, definitely definitely tweet them to us on the Black Comic Chat hashtag. Um, so, Joe, uh, before the show, you mentioned that uh, I think you, you may have some thoughts about some some entertainment <laughs> uh, so yeah so let, let's uh what, what what have you been watching and uh tell us your thoughts okay so first of all um i want y'all to know that i started watching well no i watched an episode before but i watched the vast majority of luke cage okay. yesterday in oh, preparation okay. <laughs> for this <podcast>. okay <laughs> I love it. You may have done some podcasts on it. It left me speechless. It was way better than the first one. And I liked Mm. the first one a lot. Um, And my main thing that made me so happy about Luke Cage this season was Mm. the, the diasporic theme yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes it was so good i basically like i was a little on the fence toward the beginning just because the the first two episodes didn't um they didn't grip me right away but the 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 whole the whole season kind of felt like it slowly built into the greatness Mm -hmm. that it is um and i think the moment where i was like Whoa! And I just sort of snapped my eyes and was paying more attention to everything. Was uh, when uh, Luke was fighting with Claire in Claire's apartment. Oh yeah, 
and mm-hmm. he go he, he's yelling about being a black man and what he goes through every day and how he goes outside and there's racism etc and then claire just screams at him i don't have to leave my house yes. to experience yes. Racism. Yes. yes yes i was like are we going there <gasps> we're going there i was so happy i was so happy because no one ever brings that up on TV, ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was so happy when she said, I'm Afro-Cubana. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, and no one ever says what Rosario Dawson is. Like, they right. never say what she is. They just put her in a role and they're like, Boom. Y- y'all can think whatever <laughs> you want exactly, about what yeah. she is. Yeah. Like, we're just going to non-spoken, she's black in this movie, and we're leaving it at that. Or non-spoken, she's Latinx in this role, and we're leaving it at that. (laughs) And this is, I can't remember a previous time. There have probably been other times, but this is the first time that I've watched a thing with Rosario Dawson in it, where she was allowed to open her mouth and in a script be like, I am black and Latinx. (laughs) I was Mm. like, oh my God, what? Yes. <laughs> it was a very good moment. Uh, I was very happy about it. Um, also, I uh, was really happy about um, Bushmaster just throughout because I was really worried in the beginning that Bushmaster was just going to be like, like, oh, here comes these Jamaicans. Who right. knows? Who knows what their problem is? But like, then, like, predator too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, like, it just goes into his whole backstory and, like, his community and, like, why he should be mad and, like, just mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And, and like, him talking, uh, or not him, but um, Anansi talking with Mariah and them having mm-hmm. that moment of tension where it's like, yep, I'm Jamaican and you're African-American and there's stuff to be said about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, there's so much stuff to be said about like just black people in the u.s and when i say black people i mean like from wherever the hell it is that Mm -hmm. like the black person question came from like whichever country um that is so rarely ever said anywhere so that that was really important to me about this season yeah 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 we did a few episodes um i actually need to upload the third one i believe um but we did we did a few episodes yeah, we need to we need to finish that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, we do. I think we, we only have one more left to go. But yeah, like everything you said, um, and uh, obviously for myself, you know, as a as a Jamaican-born person who who spent most of his life here, um, you know, I've definitely seen the the, the cultural clashes, and um, yeah, it just it there 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 was a lot there, and yeah, that stuff you said about Claire is real. Like, I I don't know, I want to see a, a season that's either claire focused or or just where like you know she's there for all all 12 or 13 episodes right um because i, I mean know. honestly they should just have a show call it claire mm. and then it's <laughs> how she right but then it will be how she sort of sees all the different heroes yeah like it'll yeah, feature all of them it's like defenders in reverse you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but it's about her but like they all sort of co-starring and they are you know how she drifts into their lives I would so be down for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, watch same. That. 
I mean, she she knows everything about just about all of them, if yeah. not all of them. So I mean, all the bodies on <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it was it was real. Like, what what did you? Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, like, did you get to the uh, the Iron Fist episode? Oh yeah, yeah. I finished. I finished the season. We finished the whole uh, season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the Iron Fist episode. I thought he was uh, annoying in the way that his character's supposed to be. Really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. While also like actually being useful to Luke <laughs> yes, <laughs> when he yeah, needed yeah. it. It was um, minimal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another thing I like. There was a Iron Fist episode, and not just like Iron Fist is in this season. Let's, right. let's yeah, it, that's all. That's all they needed. Though I was upset there wasn't more Colleen and Misty together. Yeah. Right, right. That has to be a series, right? Like, I would They'd imagine. Have to. You know, <laughs> that would do well. They, they need to. They need to, they need to get on it. So. I don't know. I know that, um, but I, I I did love what they did with those two. Oh yeah, I think I think they make a good pair in that uh, uh, Iron Fist kind of needs to be knocked down back to earth a lot, and Iron Fist gets to be so white and chill, <laughs> and sometimes Luke needs to chill for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the whole uh, time in the barber shop where uh, Luke was like, "Wow, we were quiet for a while and actually thought of something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. stuff, and and we spoke about. Um, I'm sorry, Tony. We, we no, no, something. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. No. Oh no, no. I was gonna say we uh, in our episodes we also spoke about that other moment in the barber shop with um Ooh. with shades and um Comanche. Comanche. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of, you know, what's really interesting about that moment is um, it was really artfully done. And I don't think that they were like, well, again, there's that nuance word, but it was very nuanced. Um, but it, I've had a, a few conversations um, where people did, we didn't, didn't quite catch it right away. And, um, and I can understand why, because it wasn't all like overt. <laughs> yeah, well, and it wasn't like sensationalized. It was like a real conversation, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like the way they were they were speaking about it was just taking place in the way that two guys in their circumstances or those two guys would speak about that, you know. So, but I, it, it was really um, I didn't necessarily I did I did notice there there was some type of spark with those two initially in the first couple episodes, but um, are they? Yeah. yeah. Is it canon? Are they supposed to be into I, each other quietly? I mean, I don't think it's canon because those two characters were introduced back in the six, well, no, seventies, back in the seventies, right, and yeah. they weren't they weren't trying to dive into. You oh, know well, what I mean? Canon, like, canon in the show, though. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They are okay. I couldn't. I honestly couldn't tell if it was um, because there's a thing where I'm like, if it's not explicitly said, yeah. I also don't want to be like, oh, it has to be this because yeah. men can never well, have an intimate right. friendship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, if it is, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, within the show, it's it's definitely canon. But okay. so so within the show, the the um the official thing is like when they were in prison, you know, they were definitely you know romantically involved. 
but afterwards like shades was like well i'm out you know prison is prison and we're we're in the world so that's not you know not how it goes and comanche was basically like it didn't change for me uh-huh. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i don't know it just added the extra layer of of, com- of uh complexity and tragedy with with comanche like yeah. you know i mean even though he was <laughs> he was riding out his boy but uh <laughs> you know it, it, uh yeah 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 and then and then like like his mom like she was she was not buying what shades was selling oh that poor woman <laughs> and i will say you know probably to, to joe's point is that i didn't catch it the first time around uh and i fully admitted that i i i, I don't know what i was doing but i didn't really catch it the first time but it was brought to my attention and i was like wait a minute did they really have that conversation i had to watch that episode again and i was like holy shit this is a big moment yeah. You know, because you don't expect to, to see this, not just in any Marvel series, but in anywhere. Right. You know, two guys actually talking this way, two like hardcore, I'm gonna kill you guys talking this way. Um, was just it was just very interesting. And I at that point it really colored the way I saw Comanche from that point on. Not in a bad way, but just sort of like I now get everything he now did. Because before it was just like he he just seemed like one of those guys that just has to fuck with his boy at every moment and, and make it seem like I'm going to jab you because you're not man enough. But now thinking about it in a different way, like you're really mad because you have actual feelings. Right. So yeah. I thought that was, was very interesting. So he's basically saying, you can't tell me how to feel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> Don't tell me how to feel. Bruh. It's crazy though. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think when um whenever something uh queer in a show is like subtle enough, I I've taken to like assuming they're not trying to give me queer representation because like there's so little of it <laughs> that when I think it's there, I'm like, oh, but but I doubt that's what they wanted to do. These these shows never give me what I want, so it can't be that. <laughs> I, I literally had that conversation with somebody, that exact same thing earlier today. We were talking about that, how because it was so subtle, it's kind of like, mm, so was this intentional or was were they really trying to do this or did it just kind of like happen and it just, you know, turned out to be that way? So, yeah, definitely was thinking those same lines. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's always a, a really so. You know, when you look at the Hollywood machine and just, I don't know, just media in general, there's definitely instances where they try to, like, sneak in their, quote unquote, diversity or, or, mm-hmm. or insert, you know, insert group here. Um, I, I would say in, in this instance, it definitely wasn't sneaking. But, like, I guess that was my initial point. Like, I can see both sides. Like, like I picked up on it initially. But I think that's because, like, right from episode one, I was like... <laughs> There's something there with these two, but mm-hmm. but by the same token, like um, like like I, it definitely didn't feel like the, like the like trying to hide it thing. Because I, you know, what drives me crazy is like when you watch like commercials and they try to have a a multi ethnic group of people. But <laughs> I, I've gotten so good at spotting like the the like black lady in the back of the group and they always like cut it so it's like they just you know they they get credit for her being there but she's not like 
you know, like like really prominently there. And like they, there's all types of weird gymnastics that gets done with that stuff. But um, yeah, like you know, I, I so I know what you guys are talking about. Like sometimes they totally just try to like sneak stuff in so they can get credit for having represented something, but not enough to make um intolerant people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did think that this barbershop scene was well done though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was an excellent it was excellent to me, even though I it flew over my head what was actually happening. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is a really intense conversation about either getting out of crime or staying in crime. Right. <laughs> I guess you could read it that way. Yeah, you could read it that way. I mean, for me, I figured it wasn't like it was like too much of them pushing. Well, okay, I don't say. You know, I mean, to me, I feel like maybe they could be pushing the envelope considering the relationship between Shades and Mariah. Like, that made right. my skin crawl. Like, mm. I mean, you know, that 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 made me uncomfortable, you know. Uh, you Did know, you need an adult? It's like, Shades and Comanche, that didn't make me uncomfortable. That made me actually be like, hmm, okay. Like, I'm, I'm tuning into this, but like, you know, um, Mariah mm. and Shades, I was like, ooh, oh, okay, um, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, this is, this is, mm, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, you would, that, that kind of blows my mind a little bit because the, the, the relationship between Mariah and Shades was so uncomfortable, and yet his relationship with Comanche was very comfortable. Mm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love this show. Right here. This is right here. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Connecting the dots. This is so- Absolutely. Um, so we had, uh, Joe, have you seen, uh, sorry to bother you? No, not yet. I have to, oh, okay. I can't talk about it. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. You know, I, I, I haven't either. All right. Tony, you haven't, haven't seen, seen, seen it, it yet, Tony? No, I know. I, I'm going to get yelled at. It's fine. No, no, it's all, it's all good, man. Just, uh, but make sure you do see it. Cause it's, yes, it's, it's worth yes, it. Yes, yeah. it is. Solidarity, right. Tony. Yes. We, we, yes. We'll, we'll postpone <laughs> our, our sorry to bother you discussion for a little bit. Right, right, right. <laughs> But um, but needless to say, I I I really enjoyed it. Um, Likewise. Yeah. Yeah, and just um, just one. I, I can never say this without spoiling anything, but I think that um, you know, Boots Riley, uh, who directed it, um, and wrote it, you know, he's a he's an MC of the the Coup, which is a group that's like you know, done political music since forever, and um, I think that that movie underscored what we talk about all the time, like why there needs to be mm-hmm. a range of, of creators specifically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because right. the, when you watch this movie, like there's a lot of good movies out there and there's a lot of movies that might touch on the subject that he's dealing with. But I just remember walking out of it and being like, that is a movie that like only he specifically with like his point of view could have made. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, like it just it just comes together really well. But um, yeah, see you see when y'all get a chance. Yes, and I know for Absolutely. me, and without spoiling it, like having lived in Oakland, mm-hmm. like it was also like this, like oh yes, it was you know in the same way that Luke Cage, yeah. I felt like does really good treatment of Harlem. I felt like you know he really did justice for mm-hmm. Oakland. Like you can really see all of Oakland, Oakland, and not just these like small subparts. Yeah. That's a good point, great. Because I mean, obviously, you're way more familiar with Oakland than I am. But I know, obviously, like you know, a lot, a lot of times you see representations like like Boys in the Hood, um, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. But like this was, um, 
again, nuance. Nuance is the word of the night, man. We're just going to have to... Right. Put, <laughs> a, a game with nuance. Hashtag but, uh, nuance. Yeah, hashtag mm-hmm. nuance. But there was. There was a lot of, of nuance in, in just the different types of people that you saw. You know? And again, that's what happens when I think you have people behind the, the camera and the pen. Especially those who are invested in it, too, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, he's all the way invested. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Shout out to... Look, we talked about it without spoiling anything. Look at that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so what else? Uh, I know, Tony, you had put some things on the dock. Well, um, DC... Excuse me. Disney owns everything. That they just bought uh it's just been approved, not just, but I think that you know the Fox deal went through. So they own everything. Um and I guess we'll see what happens. Um and there's always these rumors flying around that the X-Men are gonna be in this and Fantastic Four are gonna be in that. I do not anticipate anything different happening with Infinity War. I mean or yeah, I'm sorry, I don't either. Avengers yeah, yeah, Four. Gonna, I mean that's um, what we're doing. Yeah. But people, you know, are gonna they're gonna be chirping for the next year and a half. Um so, but I just, just thinking about it, it's just like, you know, I don't go to Disney often, um, but I'm, I'm sure the next time I go to Disney, it's just going to be Baltimore and Marvel, um, which is both good and bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good in the sense that there's the characters all in one, bad because it's all very expensive. And that's my opinion. So, um, while we're on the my subject of little... movie, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my, my one little Pyrrhic victory as far as Disney buying Fox is that Disney killed the New Mutants movie. Oh, wait, is, is, is it dead dead? It's, it's done? According to my sources, and my sources are my partner reading the internet more than I do. Uh, <laughs> I need to look this up. I need to look this up. I hope that's true. Uh, they told that was me terrible. To... Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I'm very okay uh, it was supp- okay. So it sounded like they wanted to, like Fox wanted to make it like kind of a horror movie esque, yeah. like superhero movie, yeah. which which I would have been down for because that hasn't been done, and I'd be really interested to see a take like that. But then they they couldn't stick to their guns. They had to be like, oh no, we're postponing the movie to change it and make it a comedy. And I'm like, everything doesn't have to be funny, but okay. Uh, and oh, I didn't then- know that. I didn't know that they were going to try to make it a comedy. Oh yeah, they were they were sort of making it more in line with like the general action comedy like the superhero trend right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh the and the reason I'm happy it got canned, uh, even though like I, I could just I could have just chosen not to see it if I didn't think it sounded good. Uh I'm happy it got canned because they cast um a white uh, Brazilian dude to play yes. A character who started out as a black Brazilian dude in the oh. comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're good on that. Yeah. We're good. Now, I feel no, a lot better right now. Lot... <laughs> yeah. Speaking about movies, um, it says here uh, that we need to give a minute to hate on the Venom trailer, or at least the CGI. Oh, Lord. Do I, I, I have a few things. I'd Wait, like. what, are we, what are we hating on? I didn't hear you. We are hating on the Venom trailer, or at least the CGI in the Venom trailer. Yeah, so, so yes, this past week there was a, um, there have been two Venom trailers uh, that were released previously. 
and San Diego Comic-Con happened, and um, there was a trailer that was released there that didn't hit the internet until this week. Um, and, man, there's like, uh, did everybody, did anybody see it? No. I saw it. I saw it. Okay. Like, well, I'm, am I tripping? Like, watch they're, they're... it right now. Okay. Yeah, like, right. do I need to check this out? Like... It's, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think tripping. I think that it's a bit much. You know what I mean? I, I think they were like, oh, we have this, this, this character um, that can do all these weird things and we're just going to play it to the fullest. Right. But I think what really sticks to me is I think at the end of the trailer, mm. how they kind of morph the two images. Yeah, that was it, cool. It was, it was cool, but it was weird. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. That's the way. Yeah. There, and, and there is nothing was... in this trailer that, besides Riz Ahmed, there's nothing in this trailer that I, that's going to make me want to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's that specific point where he like lifts the dude up. Um yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you could see like the the green screen lines like around him practically. It's, I don't know. It's, oh it's just, god, that's horrible. I, you couldn't li- I mean it might not be that bad, but it, you know what it felt comparable to the nineteen ninety seven spawn film. Oh <laughs> yes. Wow. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And I'm like, yo, it's just 2018, you know. Like, and, literally, most of Infinity War is CGI. You can't even do a can't tell. that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, and, like, and, and and this actually goes to what you were just talking about, Joe. As far as like trying to make make it jokey, um, it was really awkward. If you watch it with the with the volume on, like you'll they, like, <laughs> volume on. There's a, there's a part. There's a part towards the end where like. He's it's supposed to be a funny part, and he's like, First, I'm gonna eat your arms, and I'm gonna eat your legs, and then I'm gonna eat your spleen, and then and then he has something about him. I'm, I'm gonna spit out a turd or something like that. Oh, no, you're gonna be like a turd in the wind, or something oh, that's like that. right. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, What? what? Oh, yeah. God. And I'm like, Yo, that's not how you do humor. And uh, Shakespeare over here, I tell you, no, uh, yeah. So, anyway, anyway, that, that that's that's my uh, Venom hate moment minute. You know, we need to have more hate moments from you, Martha. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not generally filled with hate, though. That's the <laughs> best part. That's what I'm saying. That's the best part. <laughs> I'm sorry, Grace. What are you saying? I was going to say, I can add to that. I can, I can give you one, uh, something okay. else to you know hate on. So um, I, I had put on the doc about Daredevil. So, you know, uh, they're definitely going to be having that coming out 2018. That's not the, the thing to hate on, though. Okay. Um, but that in my further reading... Uh, I saw that Iron Fist is supposed to be premiering September seventh of this year. Oof! Are you trying to sneak it out? No. I, I, oh, yeah. oh, there was a trailer. There was a trailer. Oh, there is. Oh, I there is a trailer. Yeah. But did you see the picture? I oh, I saw the mask. I saw. You the, saw the picture of the mask. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. What? Well, all right, so. <laughs> All right, I, I do have a little bit more hate in my heart. It looks like a lemon drop. Like, you've had lemon drops. A lemon cake. drop? Oh yeah, his, his mask was like a lemon drop. Yeah. Okay, I've got to look and, this up. I've got to and, and you know what was weird? All right, all right. So this is the thing, yes, right? Yes, Marcus hates. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> the, first, the, first, the first season, um, one of my one of my gripes of the... There's so many gripes. I, I can't even pick out my gripes from the first season of Iron Fist. But... Like, one of the things I said is, like, I kind of got tired of seeing, like, Finn Jones walking around with his face and his hair. And, like, I was like, yo, put, put the mask on him. Like, put the classic mask on him. You don't have to make it, like, as campy of a 70s outfit. 
You know what I mean? But give him some cool like Daredevil bandana thing or something. You know, and um but then they gave me what I was asking for <laughs> in this, this trailer. Fault. And this I was like, Yeah, I was like, that's not really the... well, they don't listen to me. They don't listen to me or, or <laughs> they wouldn't have made a season two. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> you know. It's but it does look like a lemon head. It does. Lemon head. It does. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give you that for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Mm. All right, so that's 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 my second minute of hate, you know. I but, all, gotta, gotta but, but some good stuff is what you posted on the James Baldwin if Bill Street could talk talk oh, trailer yeah. that dropped on yesterday on his yeah. birthday, which I mean James Baldwin could do no wrong in my book. So you can and man. and this and Barry Jenkins and this this trailer, I'm like, yes, y'all did that. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this it's I mean, wait, is this? The first uh, of his of his um, fictional works is this the first uh, film? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, like it's about time. Like there's there's so much um so much there and so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and Barry Jenkins is a perfect person to do it. I think it's just a matter of like like because that's how I feel with like Octavia Butler stuff. It's like finding mm-hmm. the person that's going to do it justice. Like you just can't mm-hmm. get anybody to do. The, you know, do it. You got to find somebody who's going to really like take the time to massage it, do, you know, do what it needs to be done to it. And so I think, you know, definitely feel like Barry Jenkins is going to definitely do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, before I forget, um, the ether had a second question, a part two to the first question. And that question was, is there a situation where you have resisted being educated about a group, et cetera? That's a good question. Hmm. And the thing is, I have answers to this too. Um, yeah. I'll let you go first. <laughs> I'm thinking. Hmm. I feel like the answer is obviously yes. Mm-hmm. The yeah, question is when. <laughs> I know one, but I, I know. But I, I know two. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm not proud of this. It, and I, I certainly learned, uh, you know, very briefly thereafter. But I remember this was this was back in the 90s um, when Tupac was on trial um, for for a rape case. And, um, you know, I hadn't even like really followed at the time. But I just remember um, a bunch of us being in the in the campus center, um, you know, the, the, the black section. And uh, like you know, people were talking about it. People were talking about about Tupac. Um, and a friend of mine said um, something to the effect of like, you know, but y'all, y'all being the the women, you know, love Tupac. Like, you know, why would he need to rape anybody? You know. And I remember like um, like agreeing with him. I was like thinking he had a point. You know. And then you know, one of the one of the women there. Um, like really schooled us, and uh, I didn't totally change my mind right there. But I like went home and I thought about what she said and the, about the idea of you know rape not being about like um, attraction or it's a, somebody's attractiveness or about somebody needing quote unquote to have sex and it's about power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very young, you know what I mean. But like that really, I was like, oh. You know, I was really going along with some with some dumb shit, basically. 
like you know and i mean that was like a pivotal moment i mean clearly i remember it to this day but like that was a a big turning point for me as far as like you know the way that like uh, you know obviously i hadn't participated in any type of like messed up behavior like that but the way that like even if you're not doing mm -hmm. the uh, the offense like right. as a guy you can easily look the other way or even like make an excuse for other guys you know toxic behavior so right yeah so that, that's, that's my example um, uh, so. oh, go, oh go ahead please oh sure <laughs> um mine is when i was 14 years old and i guess long story short um i argued with a girl in class who presented me with the the revolutionary idea to me at the time that uh black people uh could not be racist and I just sort of looked at her and was like, what are you talking about? Anyone can be racist against anybody. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, no, that's not how it works. And, you know, she she understood the nuance of like white supremacy and uh, like privilege and power and all that stuff at that time. And I super did not. So right. when I when someone told me that for the first time, it just sort of. I had a very dictionary definition idea of what racism was yeah. in my head. And I was just sort of like, well, you're, you're arguing with the dictionary. You must be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, I don't think it was until like college that I started really thinking about race more deeply outside of like my own personal experiences uh, being Cuban and just sort of seeing how like different power dynamics play against each other, depending on what community you're a part of. Um, I think a big part of that was that um, I grew up immersed in Cuban culture um, because I grew up in Miami where like most of the population is Cuban and Cubans don't talk about race. They, even if there are like darker skinned Cubans in the room and it's not all white Cubans, they don't talk about race. It's sort of like this cultural thing where you pretend it, mm -hmm. you pretend that's not a thing. And if someone happens to bring it up, uh, you're just sort of looked at like, why are you making shit up or trying to start problems? Uh, and if it gets, the conversation gets far mm -hmm. enough, it's, oh, I see, you're trying to divide us, um, which is never, never taken well. So when I went to college, I was surrounded by white people, like white American people for the first time in my life. And I, in that environment, it kind of helped me kind of helped me just sort of realize like, hmm, there sure is a different way that these people mm -hmm. are getting treated versus these other people. It's almost like white people don't have to deal with bullshit ever <laughs> because mm -hmm. of their race. Right. But yeah, that was, uh, that was something uh, that I was resistant to when it first came up and that took me quite a while to wrap my head around. 
And you know, um, and you you said that was like in in grade school that happened to you. Yeah, in high school. Oh, high school, yeah. But it's funny because I mean, you see it playing out with grown ass adults to this day. <laughs> there's, there's so many people walking around with that. That's a perfect way to put it. That dictionary mm-hmm. definition of racism, you know, where it's it's literally just one person being mean to another person. Mm-hmm. That's you know what I mean. And it's like it it totally that lack of understanding like just derails most discussions about race because it's like you're talking about two different things and like so i mean yeah that's i think that's a a very common misconception oh yeah and uh going back to hashtag nuance um it happens like enough adults think that way that that I, i i don't even have faith in the word racism anymore as like a helpful word Mm -hmm. for having the conversation like i whenever i like really focus on it i think like okay i'm gonna tell this person about white supremacy rather than telling them about racism or i'm gonna talk to this person about anti-blackness instead of talking about racism Mm -hmm. because it i feel like those terms kind of pinpoint it, it's yeah, it's very specific yeah. and like okay, I'm we're gonna talk about who benefits and mm-hmm. who is like on the like receiving the bulk of the of the damage yeah. caused by this, and then we can if we if we get past that we can have a nuanced conversation about the people in the middle who uh, depending on various choices they make about assimilation and solidarity can either. Uh, you know, help fight racism or benefit from it. Uh, it's it's a lot, uh, and the word racism is is feels so so tainted and diluted that it's like, yeah. okay, look, yeah. Yeah, let me just say what we're actually talking about. We're talking about white supremacy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I had a, I just had a conversation today that I felt the word racism has turned subjective mm. in the sense that it's people use it so often that when you say this person is racist, it's, it's almost like, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? And it becomes mm. almost subjective. So I'd rather we talk about, as you were saying, you know, white supremacy or, you know, participation in a hate group like the KKK or anything like that and talk about racist because I don't think people really understand the meaning of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. First, let me just say that I've been in that situation, Marcus, where um, there's always that moment where some woman turns the light on Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're like, oh, shit, I've been thinking about this a whole different, just wrong. Um, And my whole life has been what Joe just said about (laughs) Latinos not understanding the blackness. You know what I mean? That's like a, a... I'm pretty sure there have been times in my life where I've said, no, I'm actually Latino and not Black. I just don't remember when, but I know I've said it. Um, and that's probably in high school mm-hmm. and then being corrected in college because that's what happened. But um, I think for me, um, and this is it, it, the, the things that I kind of refuse to be educated on, and it's, and it's, it's such a hard way of saying that, but um, religion... Um, I've been, I've been to Catholic school for 12 years. So, you know, I, I get into these situations where you walk you can either walk down the street or somebody wants to get in, into a conversation where they want to educate me about religion. And I'm just like, I'm good. You know, I don't, 
really need to know your version of the Bible. I don't really need to know what you feel because I've been, I, I have been so tainted by the Catholic church that I feel that everything that is in the, at least the version of the Bible that I have read is, has been tainted in a imperialistic way. Um, so that I'm just like, mm, I'm good. Um, and the other thing that I actually refuse to sort of educate myself on is conservatism. Mm. Um, I know that we live in a time in which, you know, there are two sides, basically, um, right and left. And I tried my best to see where the other side is coming from. And I get to a point where it just agitates me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just refuse. At, at some point, I just refuse. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but if we're talking about where we issues of where I refuse to be educated, those are those are the two hard lines. Right? Tony, yeah. can I can I uh, can I push back on that a little bit? Please, please, and I, I please please. Uh, my I guess my my bit of pushback on the Catholicism is that. Um, uh, are, are you refer are you referring to instances where someone's actually just trying to teach you what the Bible says, or instances where someone's trying to convince you to believe what the Bible says? Um, what they believe the Bible says. Because I wouldn't even count that as um, someone trying to educate you, okay. because I feel okay. like education has to be true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. This is why I love the show. <laughs> that was good. And and. And and let me clarify, like I'm not I'm not anti-religion, I'm not anti-Catholic. Uh my best friend is Catholic. <laughs> I say that with a, a lot of irony, though my best friend is whatever. <laughs> uh, truth in the sense of these are facts you need to know, versus this is this is a truth, like this is a truth they came to that helps them. It's an interpretation of the world that has helped them, not like information you're missing to like be a a, a well-instructed member of society you know you, you can do without this knowledge because it's a very personal sort of truth not a not a who raised you you need to know this kind of truth right right right, right. uh and with the with the conservatism um here's the thing like i've I have listened to the other side and I just, it's wrong. <laughs> the yeah. other side is just incorrect. Yeah. I don't think that's resisting your uh, being educated about right. it. Okay. You can okay. like, you could know all about it right. and just not agree. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that, like, I think there's, um, I feel, we're already at 11, after 11. I feel like I could go on about this for two hours. But like <laughs> to be to be brief about it, though, there is the reality that like that 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 binary that we we're talking about about either right or left. It's like it's yeah. bullshit. Like you know because I mean it 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 mm. is what we're mm. dealing with. But it's kind of like I always say like you you could talk about right or like because for instance like obviously. My views in politics, if you had to put in a box, are progressive. And I don't run from that label, you know. But it's like, if you say, I'm a progressive, and you and you start, like, painting this picture of exactly what a progressive is, you know, it's kind of like, that's where you get into, like, no, I'm, I have my views because, number one, I'm about 
equality for like everybody like you know and i'm about like a, a more working towards a more just world you know not because it's like hey this side is cool and this side has all the cool stuff and has all the cool people and i would say like a lot of people buy into the latter into the like i'm on this team and i always make the analogy that like sunday sunday like morning to afternoon is very informative on on the way that americans approach politics like team sports because it's like on sundays you have both um you know the political shows in the morning and then you have like nfl pregame shows mm-hmm. and if you look mm-hmm. at them they're discussing everything in exactly the same way you know and it's kind of like like i'm a big lakers fan but if the lakers lose at the end of the day that doesn't really impact my life you know right right but like yeah. with um but then again if you <laughs> other quote unquote team are some monsters who are like hey let's roll back all the uh the emission standards let's separate you know children from their parents let's you know ban muslims and etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever the hell is happening on that given day you know what i mean like that's not a that's not even a point of view that's like uh well i guess it's a point of view but like they've formulated themselves around essentially around fox news you know fox news has been trashed for a long time but we're in an era where fox news is in the white house you know and fox news is legitimized yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and they're directly like you know speaking to policy and and they're just their um membership is is larger than ever so long story short i'm saying like everything you're saying that both of you are saying like that that is the the conservatism that like yeah kind of doesn't need a point of view and i i've heard i've heard a few people who are reasonable who i don't necessarily agree with everything they're about but they they're like look i have these you know financial views or whatever but i'm not with the whole idea of like conservatism involves like limiting the rights of 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 this group of people or like you know saying that 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 these people over here are going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, like I think th- if you want to talk about that as a point of view, that's that's fine. Like, because there are people who are saying, like, look, I'm not here to hate on people. I just have some some views on finance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's one thing if you talk about maybe listening to somebody like that. But that's not what people are talking about in 2018 when they talk about conservatives. Right, right. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's another, no, another minute, I guess. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. That's... Before we sign off, I just want, I, I'm not sure if everybody heard about Gail Simone uh, taking the lead over at the yes. Catalyst Lion Forge. Yeah, yeah. I did oh, hear about that. Yeah, that was, that. that's something I think it popped out last week. I thought that, that's amazing. Yeah, um, she's, she's perfect for that. She's, I yeah. think I derailed before Grace got to answer if oh, you yeah. wanted to go, Grace. If not, oh yes, no, no, no. <laughs> no absolutely, yes. Um, so prior to me getting into uh, uh, P, uh, the PhD program that I'm in, I think I was very kind of um, oblivious to this idea of like people in the academy can be privileged and that, or that there is a privilege in going, you know, to mm. school beyond you know, the bachelor's degree or even just going to college for that matter. And, um, and me not thinking that I like don't fit into that category that I don't exude it sometimes. And 
And so early on, I would say things to some of my friends who don't happen to have like a master's degree or something. And I, and I would notice that it would come off kind of like, well, I mean, I have a higher degree than you. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like I know better. And so it, it would be me checking my own self because I would have to kind of listen to myself and be like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. I'm not any better than anybody else because I have multiple degrees or whatever. Mm. And so um, just having to kind of like listen to other people that talk about it and then look at my own self and kind of like self-reflect kind of made me think, "Mm, because at first I was like, oh no, that's, that's not me. That's not me. And I'm not saying that, or I'm not doing that. And so (laughs) definitely having those like self-reflective moments and being like, yep. Okay. I need to put that, you know, check on myself as well too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's real. Checking yourself is very humbling. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very, very humbling. We all need some of it. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Given, well, we, have to end on, we, have to, we have to end on a high note here. We got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, are we, we're going to end with All a right. self-reflective we can't, we can't, moment of silence. Mm, we got to <laughs> <laughs> now, uh-huh. everyone, think about what you've done, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> 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 uh, well, how about this? So, the fact that uh, we are how many days in? So you said Wednesday. So today's Friday. So we're like basically three days in, two days mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And the Kickstarter is, you know, pretty much we're just gonna gonna put the extra push just about over, yeah. you know, halfway, yeah. you know, through, and we still got twenty eight days to go. So um, yeah, you know, we we cooking with with gasoline right here with this Kickstarter. So um, we just want to keep that momentum, you know, going. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And like let's let's get on to the stretch goals. Yes. We just got to twenty three thousand dollars while we were talking. Oh, Look at that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have to definitely um promote this as much as we can. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Cool. That that's positive. Mm-hmm. That's very positive. I, yeah, I, really, I really can't wait for this. Comics are so positive. <laughs> comics by us. Sometimes, yeah. yes. Yes. Comics by These us. comics are so yeah. positive. <laughs> Make, making that change. <laughs> okay. So, um, where can we find you? Yes. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Joamet Gill. That's J-O-A-M-E-T-T-E-G-I-L on Twitter. You can also follow the Power and Magic Press Twitter, which is at Power and Magic PR. Uh, There you'll definitely find the Kickstarter link because it's all I'll be tweeting about all month long. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and obviously... We're on Kickstarter. Just search Heartwood if you're on there already while you're listening to this when it comes out. <laughs> and search that term will be the only thing that comes up. And you can go ahead and treat yourself to a beautiful, huge book of non-binary comics. Yes. Just for a second, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of hoping you were going to say, "You can reach me by airplane." <laughs> <laughs> You can definitely reach me by airplane if you're far enough away that an airplane will fly you to Portland, Oregon. So if you're in Portland, Oregon, you can't reach me by airplane. 
Um, and also make sure that um, you look at all the contributed lists, follow them. Uh, they right. all have either Twitter or Tumblr pages. Um, and then I think if you scroll down um, to the special thanks area, um, you could also follow uh, the very special people that have helped out on this Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I already started doing that, but then we got, you know, we got some, some good conversation. Um, so thank you. Uh, and Grace, where can people find you? So um, as I have popped my head back into social media on August 1, um, you can find me more frequently throughout this month um, on Twitter at gbreezy 20 and on Instagram at lovejones20. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's where I am right about now. For the, on Are the you traveling media. anywhere? Are you doing yeah, anything? Yeah, so I, um, I'll be hitting up Martha's Vineyard uh, on right. tomorrow for the Run and Shoot African-American Film Festival that's going to be taking place up there. And um, also, you know, get a little vacay time. And uh, yeah, so that'll be next week. And then I'll be back in ATL. And uh, and it's my birthday month. Just want to put that Uh-oh. out there. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, happy Uh-oh. birthday month. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'll be celebrating all month long. So, yes. Nice. Nice. All right. And Marcus, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at uh, MarcusKwame.com and uh, at MarcusKwame on Twitter. Um, trying to post more uh, and on Instagram at Marcus underscore Kwame. Um, trying to post more, but I've been had my head deep in the the drawing table, um, trying to finish up a graphic novel by next month. So um, yeah, nice. Definitely and if. About that. And if people lived somewhere close to you, they can take classes that you teach. Am I, am I seeing that correctly? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You can you can find <laughs> it on my um, on my Twitter. I, I'll try to post about it more. But uh, yeah, I'm teaching uh, at the Seventy Beekman Gallery in Saratoga, New York. Um, I have some cartooning classes I'm teaching on Mondays. So yeah, definitely anyone is welcome. Any experience level, um, we have a good time. So you know, it's a small group right now, but we're definitely growing it. So. Yeah, you are welcome. One, one final question. The the poetry beret that you wear, do you also wear that when you are teaching art? I, 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 hung, I hung up my, my beret. I hung up my beret. When I, I have too much hair to fit under a beret right now. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hashtag release the poems. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll release them. That's, that's cool. Right, right, right. Um, and you can find me uh, at Latin Negro uh, 1N on uh, um, you can find me on Instagram. If you go to Amazon and type in my full name, Anthony Rotero, you will see uh, two books that I've written, and you can certainly uh, search those. And I would like you to buy them, it'd be nice. Um, yeah, we would, we and, would like you to buy them. Um, right, <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, check out Puerto Rico Strong. Um, if you haven't already, I mean, if you haven't checked it out, I don't know where you've been, but um, I'm in it. So is Joe and a lot of other uh, artists and writers, uh, all proceeds go directly to the people affected by Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. Yeah, definitely. And sadly, right. there's still a lot of need for for assistance mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so let's help. All right, absolutely. Show. All right, this is a great show. Absolutely, thank you so very much, Joe, for 
gracing us with your your time and presence. I yeah. love that you said gracing because your grace <laughs> <laughs> was that intentional. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until after I said, like, oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it, all, it all comes together. It does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and shout out to Leo and Thelonious. Leo wanted to be here tonight, but he's had a, a long, long day of work. So, um, but he'll, he will be back soon. And uh, yeah, we got to get Thelonious back, man. We got to, yeah, got to drag him out of. Uh, yeah. Of, of of where yeah, you, one day we go on like Ultron, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and one last shout out to the audience. Uh, thank you to the people. Uh, this was a long show, and you know, you guys hung with us throughout, so it was a good show. So, you know, but it was a long one. So, thank you to the audience. Yes, have a good night, y'all. All right, good night. Night, night. <laughs> Black comics, Black Black comics, Black comics, Black comics.